Good morning, good afternoon, and good night, wherever you're listening to us from. This is Matt Moriarty with the Moriarty Agency at Farmers Insurance. We are coming to you live from the Mile High City of Denver, Colorado, otherwise called D-Town, not to be confused with Big D, which is Dallas. Uh, and so our mission statement on this uh, this podcast, uh, the home team, uh, is to... Talk about everything and, and advise you uh, on everything related to the home, be it buying a home, selling a home, uh, insuring a home, renovating a home, uh, you know, landscaping a home, furnishing a home, anything that has to do with the home, we're your one-stop shop. We're going to have get experts on here, uh, and we're going to make sure that you are the most uh, knowledgeable person when it comes to these topics. So again, I am not here alone. I'm going to introduce my co-hosts. First and foremost, the always great Chandler Finler. Hello, Chandler Finler here, your residential real estate broker with Live Sotheby's International Realty. And of course, the always awesome John Reed. Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in again. John Reed with New American Funding, your residential home loan consultant. Okay, so our topic for today uh, is actually going to be uh, rental properties, right? Uh, that's kind of the big thing right now. And, and obviously, all of us have experience with that, whether it be personally or uh, from a standpoint of our clients um, going down that road uh, from a financial standpoint. Um, and so I'm going to start with Chandler. Uh, obviously, you have a, a lot of rental properties yourself. What is the reason that you decided to invest in real estate? The reason I decided to um, invest in real estate is it keeps my investment portfolio balanced, right? You know, money in the stock market, money in um, all those fancy things that my um, uh, financial planner talks about. But I, you know, wanted to round it out with the real estate bucket because not only it provides a couple things, I know that we're going to dive a little bit deeper, but it is multifaceted as it provides um, cash flow per month if the property is set up that way. And then it also provides opportunity um, you know, to gain equity, um, you know, the longer that you own the property and, and get closer to paying it off. So it's double. And then, of course, I just believe um, fully in real estate, um, you know, that it will make money. So and then it's also fun, too. I, I like to just, you know, have a, a real property that I can see, touch and feel as opposed to stocks, right? You can't really see them, touch them or feel them. So I like the idea of a, of a home. Yeah. And, and again, I mean, that is the, you know, I grew up in a family of, of, uh, of entrepreneurs and also uh, of uh, my father owned like six rental properties, like duplexes, triplexes, everything along those lines. And, and it was, it was great to see him because as you mentioned, you're getting that, you know, from a monthly standpoint, you're getting that in there. And then when, you know, he got to the age of retirement, he was able to sell those properties and make a significant amount of money on top of that. So it's kind of the best of both worlds in, in, in that realm. But uh, but Chandler, so how many uh, rental properties do you actually own right now? So currently right now, we've, we've shed a little bit. Um, um, we, right now we have two. So we have shed um, just due to, you know, just circumstances and, and um, we've put a lot of money in renovating um, certain properties. But here in the next um, year or two, um, especially with interest rates um, not going up, thank you to the feds, uh, we're certainly looking to add a couple more um, to our portfolio. So um, it's always fun. You know, it comes with fun, fun. We'll just say fun. You know, we'll get into <laughs> is it fun. Is it it really is fun? fun. It's fun. You know, you can have people always ask me, you know, is it worth it? Do you have good tenants? Because yeah. I choose um, whether the property is I've owned uh, out of state um, investment properties and in state, uh, in state being the state of Colorado. Um, 
it, I've um, uh, managed them all myself. Uh, one stop shop right here. Nice. So, um, nice. yeah, it is. But I like to, you know, again, this is my profession. Um, I like to keep close with the tenants. They know I'm there. I like to be there for them and use my resources um, when they need something. But so far, so good. Um, no really horror stories, I guess. Um, so, knock on wood. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, let's keep it that way. Yeah, let's keep it that way. But they do exist, right? Yeah. They do exist out there. So, yeah. and I think it's the biggest objection of people who who don't want to invest in uh, in real estate is the fact that you know, they don't want to get that those calls at three in the morning, uh, you know, the water leak or anything along those lines. But mm-hmm. I mean, how often does that really happen? Um, knock on wood. Again, it's a good thing we're sitting by this big wooden table. We do have a big table. Wooden <laughs> we, table, too. We do have a big wooden table. Um, it, you know, as long as you and I take a lot of pride in taking care and, and maintaining the properties that we own, right? We stay ahead of a lot of things just by getting um, the main components of the home service properly, which mm-hmm. I am a huge, huge, huge um believer in right you take care of the home the home will take care of you Mm -hmm. or you take care of your investment whatever and the investment Mm -hmm. will take care of you so i have not gotten any you know midnight calls but you know if on the coldest day of the year the heat just is probably going to go out so (laughs) um you know but just you know you just have to have your resources your hvac your plumber your electrician your roofer um you know you just need to have them uh close on speed dial yep speed dial (laughs) so you know chandler with with you owning investment properties and, and, and whatnot, um, at, at what point did you know that's a route you wanted to take? What, uh, you know, was it a certain age or cer- certain circumstance in your life that's like, I want to purchase a rental property? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just had always heard that it's a great way to build wealth, right? Um, I mean, you know, the, <clears throat> one of the big things is you want to make money while you're sleeping, right? That, you know, people talk about it all the time. Well, a great way to do that is, uh, you know, a rental property, right? If if somebody else can pay the mortgage due on the property, well, then why not have somebody else do it, right? And then, um, you know, be able to collect that cash flow per month, um, you know, certainly do smart things with the cash flow, not just go spend it on brand new cars and everything like that. But um, didn't you just get a brand new car? I did. I did. I did just get a brand new car. And I sold a rental property and bought it. No, I nice. didn't. I didn't. No, no, but um, I did get a brand new car. Thanks. But um, and I actually know what kind of car I drive, which is just the weirdest thing. I know. I, I, I can't imagine. How do, how do you not know what kind of car you drive? FYI, Matt forgot. Matt, his Matt new did, car. Matt Matt did forget what kind of car. He <laughs> apparently uh, he got the wrong brand, uh, and it took about ten minutes of us coming together to figure out exactly what kind of car Matt had. So. <laughs> yes, but I knew I just I knew I wanted to make money while I slept, and real estate is a great way, right? So real estate, you know, some people have different beliefs. They may or may not say that it might decline. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that land ever loses its value. I think that um, other factors make real estate go down at certain points in time, but we won't get into all my opinions. But, um, you know, I just, I really believe in it. You know, it, it's interesting too, because it, it reminds me of the old adage, right? If you ask, uh, you know, a hundred people what McDonald's does for a living, most, you know, 99%, 99 will say, well, they sell hamburgers, but McDonald's is in the real estate business. Mm-hmm. They're not in the hamburger business. They're in the real estate business. And if a company like that, who's been around, you know, and grown the way they are, uh, you know, invest in real estate. I mean, that's something that uh, that's eye opening, and that's something that you should. You know, we we feel that. Um, you know, if it's something that you wanted to get into and wanted to be passionate about, it, it would be a great uh, great thing for you to do. Mm-hmm. How would they do that, John? <laughs> 
Well, yeah, we're not made of money. No, so how no, do we no, buy these? You know, that's that's what uh, you know your lenders for it. There's programs, options out there to that are specifically tailored really to investment properties, rental properties, things uh, things of that nature. Um, and it breaks again breaks down to is it is there a benefit to you for what you what you can make on that property to in in compare, comparison to uh, to uh, the the mortgage payment. Um, you know, in, in regards to that, you know, it, it does take for, for an investment property more of a significant down payment or capital injection into, into the, uh, the process than say if you're buying your primary residence or, or really even a second home, which we, we can get into all of that. Um, so why, how much do you have to oh, put yeah. down? I'm sorry. Yeah, how Good much question. do you have to put down? You know, it's, it's pretty typical minimum to see 80% as, as a, as a down payment. You'll, you'll find some programs and, and options out there, um, that 75, you know, or at, uh, you, you know, 15% down payment. Yeah. Um, is that if you're including like what you're going to be getting from an income standpoint from rent? Yeah. You, you, so the income standpoint is really going to calculate into your, your debt to income ratio used okay. to quali- is qualifying income on a, on a rental, rental, uh, property. Um, but as far as, you know, the down payment really to, to qualify for a decent rate to make it make sense. A lot of times there's there, the 25% is, is a pretty standard, um, down payment for, for, uh, rental properties. Hmm. And then you do look at the cash. Oh, then you do look at the cash flow for income to be able to. Yeah, we even even if we're you know it's your first rental property and you know you don't you haven't signed any leases or, or anything like that for that property, we can still utilize you know a, a, an estimate. There's income calculations for rental income on even a subject property. So if if the property that we're we're doing the loan on um, is your rental property, we can calculate income that that would produce. Um, based on our, our income calculations and use that to qualify as uh, for the de- debt to income ratio. You know, the That's cool right. thing too is, is that the, a lot of the people that I talk to that, that start out in, in purchasing homes and holding on to them and using them as, as in, you know, from as an investment vehicle, uh, so to speak, they started out, you know, buying like a townhouse or a condo and then they held on to that. Right. Mm-hmm. And as their income increased, they were able to able to finance and keep that portion, you know, in their portfolio, if you will, and a- able to, you know, go on to their next house and just keep that as a rental and then move to the next house and, and keep that one as a rental and, and, and vice versa. And, you know, it's not just, you know, um, real estate, when it comes to real estate, it's not just personal investments too. Like I was lucky enough when I first um, purchased my, uh, my agency, um, I was actually renting um, a, uh, a uh, office, right? And, uh, and so the, the, the place that we were in, I mean, no, you got, you people wouldn't know where this is, but it, 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 there was a lot of redevelopment all around there. And, and unfortunately the office that I was in was not doing that, but they were still raising their, their Mm -hmm. rent, um, as if they were. So I was still, you know, the office still looked like it was in the 1970s, which was a lot of fun. (laughs) Uh, Great for clients. Hey, people had a great time in the seventies, huh? Yeah, exactly. exactly. Some of the older clients really appreciated it. This is the greatest thing ever. But, uh, so anyways, I was able to look, uh, around and, and I was trying to find a new place and, and thankfully I, I ended up finding a place to buy. And, and I tell you what, I mean, from, from that standpoint, I'm paying half of what I was paying mm-hmm. in rent. I have double the space. 
Um, and I'm responsible for, you know, everything. And it's a great, for, you know, it, it works, really works out well for me uh, because of the fact that, uh, you know, it's only increasing in value, everything we put into it. Now, granted, I mean, uh, you know, it was, it was pretty, um, it needed some work. So I had to put some money into it. And I found out the hard way that you're not supposed to turn on your air conditioning when it's 50 degrees out. Uh, <laughs> oh, one, of my, dear. one of my people did actually. Oh, me, no. It went out. It went out. Oh. And then you're responsible for yep. the new air conditioning. And that's unit. a commercial grade AC. That is a commercial yeah, grade, so they ring a little bit more me, expensive. But it, but it was tax deductible. So that's <laughs> yeah, you know, the good news on that. So. Um, yeah, it, it can, it can be, you know, something that, uh, that, you know, it's, it's something that is actually worth looking into from, from that standpoint. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I always get asked to, I, um, you know, people pick my brain, right? Since I do own rental properties and I do believe in them, people always pick my brain. Okay. Well, what is a good amount of cash flow per month? And to define cash flow to everyone, maybe not everyone understands, which is okay. It's the, say your mortgage is easy number, $1,000 a month, um, and you're charging $1,400 a month for a renter to live there, well, then your cash flow would be $400 a month. So it's the amount of rent you're making over your uh, mortgage expenses per month. Thank so God that, she answered that, by the way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Woo, I can do math. But can't you? T- I picked the numbers. Yes. So I could easily follow and, right? and do math, you know. <laughs> like I always do, you know, 20% of $100,000 makes me sound really smart. Yeah, me too. That's exactly 20 grand, yeah. you know. So I always use the same numbers. So don't be <laughs> fooled. Um, but people always ask me, what is that magic number? Is it good to make $200 cap? Two hundred dollars uh, per month cash flow. Is it? Is it? You know, is a hundred okay? Three hundred, four hundred, five hundred, and that answer is really up to the investor, right? Mm-hmm. If we own rental properties, we are quote unquote tagged investors, so. Mm-hmm. It feels really special, right? Even though we're not all fancy. But um, so it really is up to you. You want to make sure I tell people, make sure that you're covering your tax, you know, your whole, P- you know, your whole payment. Um, and then you want to, um, you know, scoot a little bit away for those unforeseen um, mechanical errors is what I like to call them that mm-hmm. can happen with a home and just overall maintenance. But, you know, if you're coming away with a few hundred dollars and the property is gaining equity, you know, I consider that a win for, you know, starter investments. So yeah. yeah. And, and like we discussed earlier, I mean, even, even if you're not making anything of it, even if you're just breaking even, breaking at, even, day, yeah. at some point that, you know, that's something that you can sell. That's a property that you can sell, um, and, and take that cash and use it for your retirement too. So mm-hmm. yeah. it's a win-win. Yeah. And you know, along those lines of, of how much would you be comfortable with it? it do you see, or is it possible to price yourself out of the market? Because obviously, you want to you want to maintain occupancy in, in your rental property mm-hmm. if you are going to rent it out. Right. Um, do you see, or is it possible to price yourself out of that and, and not get tenants in there? Oh yeah, absolutely. You certainly have to build. I function um, very number specific, um, so you do have to. If you're doing a whole formula, you do have to include, um, you know, vacancy months. Right. Mm-hmm. Your your property could sit two months, you know, without a tenant. Your property could need to be painted, carpets cleaned, you know, f- you know, turned over for the next tenant. Well, that could take you know, a month. So certainly that income loss, you know, definitely needs to be factored into the overall, uh, you know, equation of being an investor. And, mm-hmm. and it just, it, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, certainly there's cost to run a business and you're, you know, at the end of the day, pretty much running, you know, running a business. Mm-hmm. Um, so Chandler, let me ask you a question. Um, when you are working with clients as a real estate agent, 
what do you advise them to look for um, if they are looking to purchase a home uh, as a uh, an investment property? Great question, Matt. Um, so I would like to address that. So first and foremost, I say, you know, look for areas of growth, right? If we want to focus on, you know, gaining equity and, and money that way, um, that we're going to hold the property for a few years, you know, we certainly want to look for those areas um, that are going through growth um, and gentrification, which there are lots of those areas, um, you know, that are uh, all over the country right now. Um, and then we also want to invest where you know, right? I don't ever push any of my clients outside of their comfort zone. You know, they need to be comfortable, um, you know, in the locations they're buying and the type of property that they are buying. Um, then I also, you know, see into the future, right? Look around. Um, are developments coming to the area? Maybe strip malls, um, you know, certain restaurants, you know, parks, you know, certain um, amenities that uh, renters are looking for. What, you know, are there big corporate companies coming, um, et cetera? So we always want to look for growth. Um, and then I also, you know, encourage, you know, choose low maintenance properties, right? We don't want a super intricate, complicated property with, you know, tons of, you know, high maintenance things, whether those are water features, right? Um, we don't want lots of, you know, maybe yard maintenance, etc. Um, so, you know, just look for low maintenance properties and then know in the areas that you are looking for what the tenants are looking for, right? Um, you know, because that is your clientele at the end of the day, right? You're buying a product to appeal, you know, to clientele who is going to pay to live there. Um, you know, Denver, the last few years has been in the top five um, highest and most competitive rental markets in the nation. Um, and we look around right for example why are people moving you know to denver specific um and we could go on about you know the legalization of marijuana you know the restaurant scene we have you know the tech industry is huge here um not to mention our weather is awesome and certainly you know to uh, round that off with our uh, lifestyle with the mountains and mm -hmm. um you know over 300 days of sunshine is amazing so look and see what your tenants actually want and uh pick a property to deliver that mm. yeah and you know you know one question I have, what about, you know, I, I always hear college towns mm -hmm. are, are great because it's, you know, constant, you have the turnover, you've always got new students coming in, mm -hmm. there's, there's the availability to renters or, or tenants is, is there. Would, would you agree with that? Would you, you know, shy away from college towns because maybe the tenants are, you know, a little more <laughs> rowdy or... or, or <laughs> right. Fair question. That is an absolute fair question. Um, we actually, it was uh, six years ago, um, we looked to buy a, a property at um, Ole Miss. Um, mm -hmm. Both, we went to Ole Miss, University of Mississippi and Oxford, Mississippi. Whoop, whoop. Um, <laughs> so we looked, right, it's, it's somewhere we're very passionate about, we're very familiar with, we can see the growth. The university has gone from like... 10,000 undergrad students to like over 20,000, right? Mm -hmm. In a matter of years. So there's your growth, right? So automatically your eyes get big and we love the city. We're passionate about it. So why not? Right. It was like a no brainer. So, but the thing in the back of both of our minds was, well, you know, we were a little rowdy in college <laughs> and maybe you're, you know, irresponsible. So would you know, the tenants not be the same. Again, the, here comes the risk involved. Yes, that is possible. Um, you know, you want to encourage them to, you know, be mature and take care of the property, but that is 
possible. Um, you know, you could also, you know, you have to be really careful too how you weed through applications. Um, you know, you are bound by certain laws. Um, we won't, you know, get into all that, but you have to be really careful. So I'll be careful answering that question. But, um, I think that the growth is great. I, you know, I regret not buying, um, a property there. We moved and circumstances changed, but, also with growth, you see new builds. Um, mm-hmm. So that market specifically um, in college towns, they grow at a rate that's really fast. So the market will be flooded for a certain period of time, um, you know, with new builds and a lot of inventory. So your property may, depending on location, um, you know, sit at a stalemate on equity gains for a certain period of time. But, um, you know, certainly... Once the city is built out, you can start to, you know, gain again. But just figure, you know, the college isn't moving, mm-hmm. yeah. most likely. Yeah. So students are going to need places to live for, you know, the foreseeable future. So I think it is a, a good investment. Um, I also have um, some clients, uh, parents of college um, age kids that perhaps maybe their sophomore year mm-hmm. um, that their kid is in college, they will look into buying a property there um, instead of uh, flushing their money down the toilet for rent. Um, they will buy a property for their children uh, for the next, you know, three years, four years, right? We Hopefully they graduate within a decent amount of time, especially <laughs> if, certainly if the parents the are paying for program. it, right? Um, it's like, oh, you went to college for eight years. You must be a doctor. Uh, no, not quite. Not, not quite. quite. <laughs> but um, so I have also... Uh, um, clients that are parents that go that route. Yeah. Um, and even then they'll have a sibling follow behind perhaps that goes to the same college and then they can, you know, double whammy there. So great idea. Yeah. And, and that's really cool too. And, and you mentioned risk. And one of the things that I always advise my clients to do uh, to mitigate risk as much as possible is first and foremost, uh, make your cl- make your tenants get renters insurance, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's extremely important because you mentioned rowdiness, everything along those lines. Uh, you want to make sure that if something were to happen, that you are not the one stuck paying for it. Uh, that your tenants insurance do. Um, and then secondarily would be if you own rental properties, you need to have a, a, a personal umbrella policy just because of the fact that, you know, you may be the, uh, the, you know, treat your own home like it is the greatest, you know, thing ever, but, um, you don't know, you're not there 24 hours a day. You can't see exactly what your tenants are doing. Um, and in the event, something happens where they hurt someone, um, as a, or, or if they're, you know, let's say you have a deck and they fall off the deck and they sue you, uh, you want to make sure that your, your personal assets are not on the line in that instance. Yeah. Could, can you just dial in a little bit on what renter's insurance covers? It, yeah. So renter's insurance, I mean, from it, it's a win-win situation, right? So it, it's a win-win because of the fact that it covers, um, the personal property of the, the, the person that lives there, right? Your tenant. Um, so if, uh, if they lose out on anything, um, or, you know, someone comes in and steals their, their goods, then they're covered under their insurance policy, which is the most, you know, the, the most you reason that, uh, that most people who have renter's insurance think of renter's insurance and the reason they want it. One thing that they don't think of is if that place burns down, they don't have a place to live all of a sudden, mm-hmm. right? Uh, but they're not, if, if they signed a deal with Chandler, mm-hmm. Chandler's still going to want her rent rent money because of the fact that they it's legally binding and, and she signed a contract with them. So we on there, there's what's called a uh, loss of use coverage. And what that does is it actually covers um, in the event that uh, they can't afford to pay the rent, it's going to pay them to or get to have them to get a new property to live in. 
Um, but from your standpoint, um, it protects your your assets, right? Um, if if they have, you want to make sure that they're named. They have some skin in the game because if they do something uh, that is uh, not, uh, um, you know, something that uh, is going to be good for um, anyone in, in this instance. Um, you know, you're liable in that situation. Somebody could sue you and you want to make sure that, uh, that they're, they're named on there and they're naming you uh, as you, uh, on that policy so that if anything happens, they're the ones responsible, not you. Right. That's great. So what, for example, um, if somebody punches a hole in a wall, mm-hmm. whose responsibility is that? The landlord, the owner, or the tenant? If, if so, it's the tenant's responsibility. A lot has to do with contract that's mm-hmm. in there. So uh, from that standpoint, it would be the tenant. I mean, a lot of advice. I mean, I don't know if you do this or not, but that's what security deposits are for mm-hmm. a lot of times is in the event something like that happens. What it mostly is, is from a liability standpoint, if you know if someone's selling guns in there and gets sued, oh, uh, if someone's doing something illegal in there and they sue the entire complex or you, um, as the landlord for letting them in there, um, that's where that comes in. Um, so it's 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 an extra layer of protection for you, um, but it also does cover uh, from a liability perspective. You know, a hole in the wall. It's not going to cost that much, right? Mm-hmm. It would probably be covered by there. But if someone's cooking and burns the place down, right? Now that, that is a little bit more expensive. That is why <laughs> exactly, and so that that's where that liability coverage comes in. It's typically a hundred thousand dollars that you can require them to get three hundred whatever you want them to to do. And it's dirt cheap, honestly. There's no reason that no one should not have a renter's insurance policy. It's 12 bucks a month, right? In typical oh, yeah. cases, 12, 15, 20 bucks a month at the most, depending on how much personal property you, you want it covered. Um, but there's absolutely no reason. If you are looking at having tenants in there, I strongly recommend that you get them, not only make them get um, a, uh, a renter's insurance policy, but you also get a personal umbrella policy. Yeah, absolutely. Great advice. I mean, certainly in today's society, right? I mean, it's just getting more and more complicated. So we want to make sure what I took from that is, is pardon my language, but CYA, right? I mean, right, you, yeah, exactly. you know, you got to yeah. cover your ass, right? Yeah. You know, the, the more um, investments that you have and assets that you take under your portfolio, yeah. you know, the more protection that you need. Because yeah, exactly. um, you never know, you know, what's going to happen in, in today's world. So thanks for breaking down um, renter's insurance for us. I know that it's it's not very expensive, so totally totally worth it. Uh, worth of course, it. of course, and 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 since we're mentioning about uh, about rental properties, you know, other investors like to buy properties that they use for, as their second home or secondary home. Um, in, in fact, Chandler has a, a second home as well. What was the reason that you purchased a second home? I do. You want to know the real story? And yeah, well, the real story <laughs> is. Story. Yeah, this is the real story. The real story is, is we moved here um, to to Denver. No, we were looking to expand our portfolio, and we thought, what better way than to use money and then also be able to enjoy a property? Mm-hmm. I mean, to us, that was like a win win to be able to look at a property. And ours is specifically um, in the the Rocky Mountains here out, outside of uh, Denver, Colorado. But um, you know, my. Um, you know, there were very certain qualifications as far as location, um, and in a resort town. Um, and so, you know, again, back to when buying a rental property, look at location, right? What do the tenants want? What is going to bring people there? Um, so we got where you can walk to the mountain, Mm. um, walk to the lift. Um, so we, you know, we wanted to expand our portfolio, but we thought, well, if we can use it, you know, we're going to, you know, kill two birds with one stone here. So and we've enjoyed it for five years and, um, you know, we've gotten great, um, 
you know, it pays for itself throughout the year. Um, you know, I, I rent it out through Airbnb and VRBO and, and I handle that. And, um, that has been interesting. Um, but then, uh, you know, we certainly, we've ridden and gained a lot of equity on our property as well. So I think it's a great idea because you can use it and enjoy it and the quality of life, right? We're all living, you know, and taking trips and, and building these certain lifestyles that we all promote. So it's just another, another great idea. Yeah. And that's, you know, interesting that you bring it up is the utilization. I mean, that's really a a big difference between, you know, an investment property and, and uh, a second home is, is it something that you could potentially utilize a, a portion of the year, and mm-hmm. you know if if you can qualify for that for that that property without uh, you know having to need any rental income to to qualify off of that property, we can you know do it as a second home uh, as far as financing goes, which usually come it's it's very sim- more similar to you know financing a a primary residence than it is uh, financing a investment property. Um, in, in far as the qualifications go, um, any reserve requirements or, or really interest rates as well. Interest rates are, are going to be a lot better, um, when it comes to second homes versus, versus the investment properties. Interesting. And you know, and a lot of questions that I get typically from people when they're talking about investment properties is, is it a good move to, uh, you know, pull equity out of your primary residence to buy a second home or even a rental property? And I mean that that is very, very much based off of their current situation. You know, if if you have cash sitting there and and you, you mean you, cash sitting there, I'm sorry, as in like for equity for like the down payment, or if you need to pull equity out, were you, you saying in regards to the down payment or for the twenty percent? Yeah, yeah. I mean, if someone wanted to, to use uh, their primary residence as the driver, if you will. Um, you know, the equity in there, pull that out and put it into, uh, you know, the second home. Yeah. I know people that do that. Yeah. I think we should maybe define, I know a lot of people get confused, like before yeah. we get into all the, the, the nitty gritty of the money is the equity in your home, right? A lot of people are confused, right? It's their number one largest asset and they don't know how much equity they have in there. Mm-hmm. And, and equity is the, the way that I explain it is, is first you want to contact um, your local realtor. Um, they can give you a property valuation, you know, it'd be an estimate. Right, an estimate property valuation on what your property is worth mm-hmm. to see if this is even something that can happen. Um, then you want to look at your mortgage statement and see how much you know you've paid down your principal, how much you still owe. So you take what the realtor you know uh, estimates your property to be, to be worth, and you subtract how much you owe back on your loan, right? Because that's not your money. Mm-hmm. And then the number you're left with um, is your equity mm-hmm. amount. Right. Um, whether that is just, you know, real money in there that you've paid down or money that you've grown, you know, by by increasing and riding, riding the market. So I just wanted to just break down what equity was, because some people, you know, don't yeah, know. It's, yeah, it's, no. it's a it's very a- good definition of, of what equity is. Um, and that's very similar to what we use when when looking at a loan to, to value ratio. The equity position and loan to value are essentially the exact same thing um, in, in a reverse manner. But um, when it comes to taking equity out of a primary to either purchase an investment or purchase a second home, I mean, it is very common. A lot of people like to do that. They don't maybe have cash. They don't want to dip into investment accounts, things like that. They want to leave sitting there mm-hmm. and they're okay with having that additional payment on, on, uh, their primary residence. They're okay having those two, those two payments that will allow them to, um, 
get into an investment property, which is going to increase their. their so let's be clear. So even I get this question all the time. So even if it's my own money that I put down, say I bought a $500,000 house. Okay. And I put down 20%. Mm -hmm. Does anyone know how much that is? $100,000. Yep. Again, I make up my own equation. So say I put down, right. So I buy a $500,000 home. I put down $100,000 of my own money. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I am borrowing 400000 to pay for the house, okay? Say my um, mortgage is whatever, $2,200 a month. I think that's like, yeah, that's, that's like right on the mm-hmm. money, $2,300. So $2,200 a month. Um, then, so say I then want to take my $100,000 that I put down and borrow it from myself, right, my house. I have to pay interest. To borrow my money? Well, to, to pull uh, it out as, a, as home equity in the f- form of a line of credit or, you know, anything yeah. second. I mean, the, the other way of, of doing it is we can refinance your, your primary residence and, and pull ca- into cash out refinance. But a lot of people don't like to do that because it usually comes with, you know, increase in the interest rate or, mm-hmm. or uh, additional fees in, in, in doing so. So um, that's why it's... It, the more common route is to take out a home equity line of credit or a home equity loan. Mm-hmm. Um, I always utilize. just thought that that was very interesting. That mm-hmm. is interesting. I mean, because it's my. If you really think about it, like I said, I'm very yeah. investor well, and, minded. Yeah, it's it, my money. It is. It's just. It's very. Yeah, yeah. It's it's your money, but it's it's your money that's it's your equity that's securitizing the the, the line of credit. You're right. So yeah, it's it's used as a, as a collateral for them issuing you a line of credit on top of it. Right. So, to buy the, I mean, if 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 you didn't want to, to pay interest, you could sell the home or, or take it out into cash out um, refinance. And right. it, it wouldn't be additional um, interest on, on that. Yeah. That it's just hard for, you know, I get it. And <laughs> it's just hard for my clients too. They're like, but wait, this was my right? money. Yeah. Uh, but and now, and now I have to pay somebody to take my money. So it just, it's, it's a good brain exercise, but, um, you know, certainly to pay, you know, a, a, a monthly fee to borrow a hundred thousand dollars. I don't know. What would it be? I don't know. Some it depends on you know, yeah, credit and all and that. Credit yeah. And... Um, but to pay a small fee, you know, to then buy a home that is, you know, making you money, you right. want to make sure the, the second property, you know, if you care, right. Makes you more money than what you're paying, mm-hmm. you know, to borrow the money. Does that make sense? You got to rob Peter to pay Paul, but then we never get paid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, and that's, that's a good segue into, into really, you know, determining that, that proper amount of, of rent. You know, what, what's the cash flow that you take away from, from the, mm-hmm. the rent that you're charging? So, you know, if you do take out that home equity line of credit or, or borrow against your primary to purchase that, you have to factor that into your monthly cost for, mm-hmm. for that home. So, you know, that might jump your rent up a little bit. When you're looking at loans like that, like if you're looking at a loan for someone who is going to have a rental property, um, how much is it the last tenant? How much, how much they were charging for rent? Or do you do, is there some kind of metrics that, that you can figure out exactly what someone should be charging for rent? Yeah, it's usually a, a rental income calculator and, it, and there's different ways of, of determining it. I mean, if, if you're buying it and you're going to keep the tenant in there and they've already got a lease agreement, we we usually will go off of that lease agreement, you know, if if it's the subject property. Mm-hmm. If they have other rental properties that we're going to use that rental income for, then we would have to see a lease agreement to to 
you know, show continuance and, and occupancy. Uh, I mean, a standard number for, for an occupancy rate as, as far as occupancy being how many months out of the year that home is, is occupied, that rental home is occupied. A, a rough one that we go off is about 75%. So mm-hmm. we, we assume 75% of the time of the year that mm-hmm. home is occupied. And that just gives for, you know, turnover or repairs, renovations, things that have to happen to get a new tenant in there. Um, so if, if anyone's trying to figure out, you know, what income they can calculate using that 75% occupancy rate is a good, you know, indicator of it. Okay. Right. And that's a good point too. When, um, and I forgot to mention earlier when I'm, you know, speaking with clients or myself looking at a rental property or a second home to buy, I always inquire, um, the current owner if they have, you know, any current leases in place or any current lease history or, you know, any mm-hmm. vacancy history. You know, you, I want to ask as many questions about the property. Um, and if they've invested, as far as renters, you want to make sure you get all that information because then that goes into your monthly, you know, you can put it into your monthly equation of, of dollars. So make sure you're making a good decision for what you want to, you know, accomplish. Yeah, exactly. I mean, just because someone's in there right now doesn't mean that, you know, and that's a, that's a great point that you just brought up just because of the fact that, you know, if, if someone's in there currently that's been in there for five months and on a year long lease, but the previous two years it sat, you know, empty because nobody mm-hmm. wanted it. You know, that's something you need to know. So you need to do research before you uh, actually go invest into these places just because of the fact that, I mean, you see it all the time. I mean, I'm sure wherever you live, you've seen those those places that go, like a restaurant will go in someplace that'll last like six months, go out of business. Yeah. And then another <laughs> restaurant will come in and only be there six months and go out of business. Yep. There's certain places that just you should avoid like the plague. Yeah, it's true. It's true. We don't want the plague to start back up in our country. (laughs) We certainly do not want that. But yeah, you always want to, you know, look at properties and make sure they have a strong rental history because, you know, the risk, right? You don't, we don't know. But again, back to risk and reward and investments, you know, all investments have a percentage of risk to them. You just mm-hmm. have to define what kind of investor are you and where's your comfortable, um, you know, level as far as risk goes. Yeah. And back, back to that, uh, list that, that you had mentioned earlier, Chandler, of, you know, properties, when, when looking for properties, you know, you look at the occupancy and, and all that kind of ties into that, you know, finding out how, what is their occupancy rate and what is the future of that, that area? Is, is it something where you're, you're seeing a lot of development? And um, if so, then it's probably going to be a good investment for a while. Yeah. No. You know, and it's crazy. We could talk about this all day. We're running out of time, but uh, just to have, you know, the, the amount of the wealth of knowledge in this room right now is, is just amazing just from, you know, from personal experience or just doing the loans and everything like that. I mean, we're, we're doing our best, like I said, to, to give you the most up-to-date information. And again, we'll have guests on uh, as we move forward, um, you know, experts in, in certain industries. But, you know, what we really wanted to do is just give you kind of a, a, a uh, uh, an intro into in, you know, into real estate and because it's not just buying a home. I know other people out there want to use it like we've discussed today. Uh, and I hope we've added value because that's exactly what we want to do. Um, so we are excited. We can't believe, I mean, we're, we're so excited that you were able to join us today. Uh, we hope you answered your questions. If not, we do have a Facebook page that you can go to. The Facebook page is, uh, the home team podcast on Facebook. We also have an Instagram, which is at the home team podcast. Um, you can reach out to any one of us. We're going to have all of our contact information in there, but hit us up on Facebook. If you have anything we'd like us to talk about or anything that we missed, 
Uh, we would love to either talk about it in a future co- uh, podcast or at least talk to you uh, at that time. But uh, we're stoked. We are uh, very excited to be doing this. Um, and uh, we just finished episode number five. Yeah, all awesome. Right. Yeah, thanks, y'all, for tuning in. We couldn't do it without you guys and all of your support. So thank you for listening. Yep, thank you so much for, for tuning in. All right, from the Mile High City of Denver, Colorado, we are signing out. Uh, and we will talk to you soon. All right, thanks so much, guys.